Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell on this Thursday. Colby, how are we doing this week? Uh, good. Busy week. A lot of work and snuck in around to golf on, what was it, Tuesday in between the rains. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been scrambling this week. It's it, it's my own fault. I, I wanted to play that one round of golf, and it took away an entire afternoon that I could have spent working. Uh, so I've had to be busier in other areas, but well worth it. How's your week? Uh, I hear you. I'm the opposite. I've been working all week, being very busy, and um, playing golf Saturday, and I haven't touched a club in, gosh, two months, three months. So it could be, uh, I could look a little bit like Michael Block on the second hole today where he scold a wedge about 100 yards past the green. That's probably what my round's going to look like. Uh, he's been a little all over the map today. Fun story. Still a fun story. Almost holds his approach shot on nine today, playing off the cart path on 10. He is all over the golf course, but only a couple over. He's beaten Finau. He's beaten Morikawa. Uh, those guys are playing terrible. So the Michael Block story is not going to last forever, but it's fun while it's here. Yeah, it's kind of jumped the shark already, hasn't it? It's been a little out of hand. I mean, I, I thought it was a great story, but man, the guy's everywhere. And he's probably going to fire an 80 today or tomorrow, so... But hey, he, he's living his best life. I don't hate it. I just, when people start talking about, you know, start talking about him like he's this mythical figure, I get, I start to roll my eyes a little bit. But uh, that's probably enough golf talk for this week already. But uh, before we get to all this Oklahoma State related action, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's. I actually had a coworker of mine who had a family member going through graduation up in Stillwater. And they asked me, where can I go besides the student union for some cowboy gear? Uh, I don't know what exactly they were looking for, but I said, I know the place. Chris's university spirits been there forever. I used to go there in college. You go there too. And, uh, he, he gave glowing reviews of, uh, the products he purchased there for, uh, his graduate and his family. So Chris's this time of year after graduation, you can always go there during before and after and, uh, get, get all your late, you know, you get your diploma, Colby, did you know I have never framed my diploma, and I just did for my new office that I moved into about th- five months ago. I'd never framed my diploma; it was still sitting in that little, that little booklet. So Chris's can hook you up with that. Uh, is your diploma framed? I got to think it is, with all your orange in your house. My diploma is not framed. I don't know where my diploma is. Uh, <laughs> oh no! I'm proud of my diploma. I'm proud that I went to Oklahoma State University and graduated with a degree from there. I I couldn't tell you what room of the house it's in. I have no idea. My wife kind of. Uh, handles a lot of those more administrative things, I would say. So at some point, maybe I'll frame it whenever I have a dedicated office. I've kind of just got a, a desk right now in a room that triples as a gym slash playroom slash office. So maybe if I get a dedicated office, then I will find my diploma, dig it out and get it in a frame on the wall. You're fancy now with your diploma on the wall in your office. Uh, it looks good. I mean, OSU does a good job with it. It's got the nice little portrait there of the library, library lawn, you know, OSU has an underrated campus in terms of the landmarks. You got the library lawn, that amazing uh, library setting, the student union as well. And obviously Old Central is prominent as well in some of those 
you know, paintings and illustrations of the campus. Oklahoma State's got an underrated campus. I will. I've been to a lot of campuses throughout the country, and I hope folks that haven't know that that Oklahoma State's got a really. I'd put it up there with just about any campus I've been to. There's obviously some better ones, but it's it's pretty great. Uh, it's certainly the best one in the state. I think we're in agreement on that. Oh yeah, for sure. I I argue well, with my why? my wife all the time about that. She went to OU, and I'm like, it's not even close. It's oh, not even did, close. Did she think OU's two? What's that? Does she think OU's number two on that list? I'm sure she she thinks they're number one. Who's number okay. two? Tulsa. I we could have a conversation for number two. Number one spoken for. I I would have a debate about number two. Yeah, I I think that's a debate. But um, what's not a debate? is Oklahoma State has split the Big 12 championship. It's the dreaded three-way tie, Colby. Are you are you raising banners? Are you getting the Big 12 championship rings printed? How, how fired up are you about baseball splitting the, uh, the Big 12 championship? Uh, I'll be more fired up about it if they go on a magical run and win the tournament. But just as it stands, three-way tie, it's just – it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like you can claim yourself a champion. I mean, if, if 30% of the conference – is claiming themselves champions. Is there really a champion? Is this a one true champion situation we've got? It is. I mean, Oklahoma's not given theirs back from 2008 when they um, did the three-way tie with Texas and Texas Tech. You know, the BCS kind of bailed them out. That's how they got to go to the, the national championship game. Um, I will say it's not as egregious as OU claiming the Big 12 title in 2012. Do you remember this? They lost to Kansas State on their home field, Colin Klein in there, and those guys went into Norman and won, and they ended up tied in the standings with OU. But literally, the Big 12, and, and again, this is why this conference has been such a joke over the last 25 years. What's the most common way of determining a tie, Colby, in football? What's the most logical, common way to determine a tie? Well, Carson, let me ask you a simple yes or no question. Did the two teams who finished the season tied play each other in that season? Yes. Okay, then there's no tie. Exactly. Not only that, and this is this even goes to the Alabama LSU argument in 2011 in football. Well, well, I mean Alabama or what was it? L- who who won the regular season matchup? LSU did, right? Oh, yeah. Alabama had to go on the road they had to play on the road that that argument wasn't even prevalent here kansas state won in norman and i covered that game where ou's last game was in fort worth against tcu they won and to my shock they're rolling out trophies and hats and like even gabe eichard who i love even in the post-game interviews he was kind of sheepish about it. he's like yeah i know i mean we lost to him but hey they're giving us a trophy. They're giving us hats. What am I supposed to do? And I, I don't begrudge him for that. It just kind of shows you how inept the Big 12 was back then and still has been throughout the, the years. But so I, so my my point, though, is OSU baseball, at least is a three-way tie. It's not like they're trying to claim a tie with West Virginia, who they lost the season series to, right? Right. No, absolutely. It's a three-way tie. And uh, again, though, I still don't know if all three teams should get trophies or if nobody should get trophies. I, I think... You got the Big 12 tournament going right now. Who's playing well in the Big 12 tournament? Who advances furthest in the Big 12 tournament? Um, It's a tough way to do it. It's weird. I know. Did did Texas and West Virginia both already get bounced? I think Texas and West Virginia have both already been bounced, which would make Oklahoma State the last team standing. They beat West Virginia today after falling to OU yesterday. It's just, it's weird. 
Um, you probably are going to go ahead and claim it because it looks good on the fence. And in 10 years, nobody's going to remember that it was a three-way tie at the end of the season. Uh, I guess unless, of course, they're going to different ballparks around the Big 12 and they see that same year posted in multiple outfields. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to take it. You're, you're going to claim yourself as co-Big 12 champions because that's what you do. But uh, it would have been nice to just get a couple more in the regular season to turn that three-way tie into an outright. Well, shouldn't that be the tiebreaker? Last team standing in the tournament? Let's just re- retroactively make that the tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean, I would like for that to be the tiebreaker, but what if Oklahoma State <laughs> loses its next game and they now go one and two in the Big 12 tournament, but because West Virginia and Texas are out here going 0 oh and 2, I I don't know. It's it all just feels weird. It doesn't feel uh it doesn't feel legitimate. You know what I mean? Like whenever you really win a title and you're proud of that title, like this one doesn't feel that same way. So, uh maybe I'll feel differently if Oklahoma State goes on a run in the in the tournament now that they've beaten West Virginia today. Well, I thought your first point is kind of the overall point and the reason why if you're Oklahoma State, you claim it, you put it on the wall, you put it in the stands, you put it in the media guide because, you know, how many people besides me, Colby, remember the 2012 Big 12 championship? You know, when Oklahoma claims all their Big 12 titles, they include that one and very few people are going to raise their hands and be like, wait a second, you lost on your home field to Kansas state. All the Kansas state fans remember, but it's me and them. That's about it. (laughs) And so, you know, as the years go by Colby, it's going to count. So that's kind of where I'm on it. I I've seen it done too many times. And that that OU one will always stand out in my memory is like, you know what, you can kind of write your own history a little bit and people are just going to forget about it. So again, take nothing away from Josh holiday. Um, tremendous baseball coach. He got his 400th win against West Virginia. Uh, he kind of needed this season, Colby. I think I wouldn't say fans were getting restless whatsoever. I just think fans want a little more, uh, in terms of what the baseball program has been put, has been doing in the postseason, especially, uh, they got the nice new stadium. Everyone loves Josh. He's his approval ratings. Always going to be great being a former cowboy and the job he's done so far. But Colby, it's it's kind of time, isn't it? It's kind of time they they make a run to Omaha and and make some real waves in the postseason because that's what Oklahoma State baseball is is built upon. Yeah, it is, and I I don't think that again, like you said, I don't think restless is the right word. I don't think fans are getting restless uh, or putting Josh Holiday on the hot seat or anything like that. I think most people recognize that uh, Oklahoma State has a really good baseball program. It's just a matter of just one more little step to where you you become a great baseball program because that's what Oklahoma State fans want to see because that's kind of the history of this program and I don't want to say it's the promise that was made uh under Josh Holiday. I think it was just the hope that Josh Holiday would get Oklahoma State to that level and he's gotten them close. He's done a good job at Oklahoma State. 38 and 17 uh this year, you know, they have gone on a run to Omaha under Josh. They've won multiple Big 12 tournaments, uh Big 12 titles. It, it's just Having a team, a team that you consistently feel like is a favorite in a super regional. That's what you need in college baseball. If you're going to be favored in a super regional year in and year out, then you're doing things right with your program because 
baseball can be, there's an element of randomness to all sports, and baseball certainly falls in that category. You get a hot pitcher with a small school, something like that. They go on a run. You, you know, you have a ball that's a foot foul or a foot fair can determine the outcome of a game. So it can get a little random sometimes in the postseason. Uh, you know, if the wind's blowing out and you're a power-hitting team, th- does that neutralize it if the other team can do it now too? What's the difference between playing in a bigger ballpark as opposed to your home ballpark? Uh, all these different things make the postseason kind of unique and kind of weird. Uh, but you just have to get the program to where you feel like you're a favorite year in, year out in a super regional. Uh, and Oklahoma State has had some of those years. And then some years it's like, okay, let's let's hope that this can be the Cinderella team. So I think they kind of fall somewhere in between this year where uh, I don't expect them to just cakewalk their way into Omaha. Uh, but I expect a, a super regional appearance. If they got bounced in a regional, it would certainly be disappointing. So uh, you just cross your fingers and – Hope that they get it done and advance to, to a super like the, the girls did with softball. Even though they struggled down the stretch, they still got it together at the right time and got to the super. So uh, hopefully baseball can win a few next weekend after they get done at, at Globe Life. By the way, I still hate it. I hate that it's down there. I hate turning it on my TV and they've got that fake grass. It looks like they're playing on carpet. Um, I hate everything about the Big 12 championship moving to Arlington. It's soulless. It's like when they... It's like when those NCAA tournament basketball regionals when they move from, you know, normal gyms to those regional sites, when they get to like the sweet 16 or even the elite eight, where they're in the big, the bigger dome type atmospheres. And it's just kind of soulless. And there's, you know, San Diego state's playing Michigan and they're playing in like, you know, Florida and there's nobody there. It's kind of, it's kind of soulless in that way. Um, but Ken- Kendall Rogers is a very res- well-respected journalist, covers college baseball, has for a long time. A uh, guy I really like and respect, uh, uh, really the preeminent voice on college baseball in many ways. Uh, he says, quote, I still, is on Twitter. He says, I still have confidence that OSU baseball is an Omaha caliber team. I love that offense, but they need to win some games here in the Big 12 tournament to feel good about hosting, uh, you know, being one of those host teams come come postseason. So he he's pretty high on them, Colby. And they did have, they did have an, a big injury to their pitching staff as well, which of course, you know, Squinky just can't keep his nose out of, uh, Oklahoma State's business, but it seems to me, Colby, they they have the pieces. A guy like Kendall Rogers, even though they lost an injury to, to their pitching staff, he's he's still pretty high on them, making some noise here um, in the postseason. But he says in order to host, they're going to have to win some more games besides what they already have in in, uh, in Globe Life. Yeah, the loss yesterday to OU was a tough one. No, I mean you just hate losing to them anyway. Um, but you lose to them to open the Big Twelve tournament. That's tough. Whenever you're trying to bolster your resume going into the postseason. But there is a lot to like about this Oklahoma State team. You start with the Nolans, McLean, and Schubert. Uh, that's a pretty good place to start. You, you know you're going to be okay if you've got McLean and Schubert. Would have loved to have had – oh, my gosh. Why is it that every time we bring this guy up, we forget his name initially? Dude from last year that was just mashing, hitting 500-foot towering bombs. Why why can't I ever remember his name when we bring him up? I can't. I, I don't know. One of my favorite Oklahoma State baseball players to watch in the last decade. And I can just never <laughs> whenever you bring him up. I'm serious. I turned my TV on to watch this guy hit, and I can't ever remember his name. I apologize. Oh, I apologize. Somebody's out there screaming at the radio right now. I know they are. Well, I thought you oh, were Googling it, but I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, but anyway, you've got Schuber, you've got McLean. Uh, that's a good place to start. Oklahoma State baseball is – they're solid. I, I Griffin hope that- Dorshing. Griffin Dorshing. Griffin Dorshing. And then every time we say it, I feel like such a moron that I couldn't remember. Well, he only played one year. It's not like he played here for four years. You know, uh, he, was, he came, he saw, he homered, he left. 
<laughs> That's good. No, he, but he was so impactful and he was such like a, a folk hero almost with the way his size and the way he would uh, hit these home runs. So uh, yeah, Rock Reggio has been playing good baseball. Marcus Brown had a home run uh, yesterday against Oklahoma. He pulled it down the right field line as they were trying to inch back in that game. They weren't able to get there, but uh, they've got some guys playing some good baseball. It's just, you've got to put it all together. Yesterday, you give up nine runs to OU. Today, you hold West Virginia to two. That's baseball. Um, so, hope that they can get it done. My parents are down there. They are uh, psycho degenerates. They go to all the baseball games, which, wow, God bless them. That's so much baseball. I get, my dad doesn't go to all the games. My mom, she goes to every single one in Stillwater, goes to the Big 12 tournament. Uh, she even went to two of the games in Norman last week. She sat out there, wow. on, the, she sat out there on the cold day, whatever the cold day was that uh, I think it was a <laughs> Friday night game that OU beat us. Um, yeah, she sat out there for that one. I'm like, better you than me. I, I admire her fandom. I, I can't, I can't go that hard. I can't overdose on sports as much. I defy as anyone to bleed more orange than your mother. I defy anyone listening, anyone out there in the world who, who else has that level of dedication? I, I challenge anyone, maybe, maybe Mr. Orange power. That's about it. I mean, I, I'm th- him and the guy who literally is pistol Pete, maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah. It's, I don't think aside from if she was like on vacation out of the state or something, I don't think she missed a football, basketball, or baseball game this year. And she lives in Oklahoma city, does not live in Stillwater. So it's an hour drive. It's an hour one way every time football, basketball, baseball. I think she touched them all, uh, unless she was out of the state on vacation, man, that's impressive. So I take it. She's going to go to softball this weekend. Uh, good. I don't think so. Only because it's holiday weekend. Well, oh, that's right. Tonight, no, cause they're in Dallas. Softball actually starts tonight. Uh, my parents are still in Dallas. They won't be back until Saturday. Yeah. Final game of the super regional is Saturday. So there you go. Well, it's been a wild season <laughs> to say the least for cowgirl softball. They're hosting Oregon and super regional big, big opportunity to make it back to Oklahoma city. They, they, they're saying up there, the road to Oklahoma city runs through Stillwater, and it's been a long, bumpy winding road this year, but they still are in the midst of their third consecutive 40 win season, which they have not, they've only accomplished just three times in their history, uh, 1988 through 1990 and 1992 through 1994. Uh, they're the number six national seed. Uh, I believe you said Oregon was unranked. So Colby, uh, despite the road that they've traveled, Big, big, big opportunity for Kenny Gajewski and company this weekend. Yeah, it is. If they can finish the season the way they did and still make it to Oklahoma City, then that really says something about the program. If you can close losing 11 of 13 and still flip that switch and get to the Women's College World Series. Yeah, they're going to play an Oregon team who is an underdog. Uh, They didn't even host a regional. They were on the road in Fayetteville. They advanced through the Fayetteville Regional, and now they come to Stillwater. But I I really – as much as we've ripped on softball lately, I think you have to give them a ton of credit for the way they battled on Sunday against Nebraska in that uh, maybe it was Sunday, maybe it was whatever day it was, Saturday. Um, Four-run seventh inning for Oklahoma State softball to win by three. They trailed two to one going into the seventh. They put four on them in the top of the seventh against Nebraska to get it done and advance to the Supers. That's what you've got to do. And now I, I think, honestly, you kind of look at it and you say, look, I'm not familiar with Oregon softball. I don't know anything about Oregon softball. But – you're not getting the regional host. You're not getting the, a high seed. You're getting an unseeded Oregon team who is clearly hot right now and playing good softball. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. But 
mean, if you look at things from the outside looking in, you go look at Oregon's record, Oklahoma State's record, this is a series Oklahoma State would be heavily favored in if there weren't any lingering questions uh, about that stretch late in the season where they just couldn't seem to find a way to win games. They found a way to win games uh, at the regional. They shut out UMBC on Friday. Saturday, they shut out Wichita State. And then Sunday, they beat Nebraska 5-2. to So they only gave up two runs in three games. Keep doing that. They'll be just fine and get back to Oklahoma City. Uh, I still don't like their chances to win a national championship. I just – you lose 11-13, of 13 and, and that kind of dampens the spirits, I think. But, um, yeah, if you get there, then you just never know which team gets hot. Yeah, I mean, you need you need Kelly Maxwell to get hot. They're left-handed pitcher, uh, two-time All-Big 12 first-teamer. She led the conference in strikeouts and strikeouts per inning. And as we've seen time and time again in Oklahoma City, Colby, it's not always the best team that makes it into the championship series. It's usually the team that has the best pitchers. The two best usually make it there. Uh, it's kind of like riding a hot goalie in hockey. That's just kind of how it is. Uh, they can pitch more innings than baseball. Um, so they really need Kelly Maxwell to to not only be their best player, but really be perhaps the player, the obviously in the regional, to get there. But once they get to Oklahoma City, if they do, they need – it's a lot of pressure to put on one player. I, I understand that. And they're going to need some hitting as well. But this is an opportunity where you can really shine and, and carry your team to a national championship. The moment's here. She's a redshirt senior. Uh, it's a big, big, big moment for her and her career and, and the history of Oklahoma State softball. It really is. And again, you got to, despite the losing streak and everything, Colby, you're right. I think you do have to give them a ton of credit. And this is just something now, Colby, that, you know, you and I were sitting here talking about Oklahoma State playing in a super regional, hosting a super regional with a legitimate chance to go to Oklahoma City. And we're still kind of like hemming and hawing because of the losing streak they're on. I think that speaks to the level that. Kenny Gajewski has brought this program. The expectation now is to be in Oklahoma City, not man. It'd be it'd be great to make it there one day. Now the expect he's he has changed the expectations for OSU softball, and that's the highest compliment you can give any coach. No, you're absolutely right, and I, I hadn't really considered that. That the way we're talking about this program is now relative to their own success. It's like Mike Gundy said for so long, you built the monster. Now you have to feed the monster. And Kenny Gajewski has built the monster. And that monster quit eating for a few weeks. And we all started getting a little antsy. The, the way we talk about these teams and these programs is directly related to the expectations uh, for how the season's going to play out. And the expectations for this season and kind of the way that this team was playing was that, oh, you know, she were going to be the number one and two team in the country all year and then meet for a national championship. And Oklahoma State just kind of randomly fell off out of nowhere and everybody panicked and lost their minds. But yes, that, that reaction is um, a testament to how far this program has come under Kenny Gajewski that the idea of not making it to Oklahoma City is something that upsets the fan base and, and gets people worked up whenever talking about softball. So, yeah, that is a testament to how far the program has come, uh, and hopefully that's not a conversation we're even having. Ha having the first game is tonight. Uh, hopefully there will only be two. If there's a third one, it'll be played on Saturday. So we will know before the end of the long holiday weekend whether Oklahoma State will be in Oklahoma City. Yep, 8 o'clock tonight and then uh, 5 o'clock on Friday and then the if necessary game on Saturday. So big, big weekend for Oklahoma State softball. I hope they make it to Oklahoma City because that'll be a tremendous stage for, for Oklahoma State to be on, on national TV and certainly just down the road from home. Speaking of staying home, uh, Keaton Page officially promoted to an assistant coach with, under Mike Boyne on the men's basketball team. Everyone knows Keaton Page, the Pawnee Pistol. He's been kind of in a director of player development role. Um so far in his career in Stillwater, but 
he's earned a promotion to the coaching staff. Uh, he's a coach's kid. His dad's a legendary high school coach, played for his dad at Pawnee. Um, it's kind of the passage of time for me, Colby. You know, he, Keaton, it surprised me. I did, they just listed his age. He's 33. I'm 38. We're not that far apart. And my first job in TV was at Channel 4 in Oklahoma City. And one of my first assignments was going to the big house, uh, State Fair Arena. You had Keaton Page playing at night. He was the first game. And Rodney Clark was the game after. And there was not an empty seat in that house. And I'll never forget this. You know, I got to cover a ton of cool things between college football bowl games, the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals. This is one of my favorite memories in, in all my television career. Not a not an empty seat in the big house. Place is packed to see Keaton Page and then Rodney Clark. Keaton Page takes the floor, hits a three, steal, hits a three, gets a rebound, hits a three. He scored nine points in about 20 seconds. The roof about blew off the arena. It was insane. And I, and we all know obviously what he did at Oklahoma state and really, really stabilized a program that was teetering under Travis Ford because of his recruiting kept kind of biting him and players leaving and couldn't recruit a big man to save his life. But Keaton page is that, that memory always sticks with me, Colby. It was, it was amazing. And then it was really cool to see him do it at the next level at Oklahoma state. Yeah, it was. He was unbelievable in high school and then uh, not professionally, collegiately at Oklahoma State. He was so fun to watch. It's just there there are guys like Keaton Page who at his size can just flat out shoot from out there. He could create his own. Uh, he, he could, you know, catch and shoot. He was so much fun to watch. And he was part of some pretty good teams at Oklahoma State. Here's my question, Carson. He's being promoted to an assistant coach now. Can you teach somebody else how to shoot? Can you teach somebody else how to shoot? Let's get somebody else shooting like the Pawnee pistol because, I mean, has Oklahoma State basketball not just been in deep need of the Pawnee pistol? That's what this program needs. Yes. The answer is yes. I mean, if anyone can teach anyone how to shoot it, you think it'd be him. I remember Randy Rutherford was on the staff uh, years ago, and I always wondered about that. Is it is it one of those cases, though, Colby, like, you know, great players like Magic Johnson, uh, you know, certain players that were like legends of the game made terrible coaches. They just, they, they can't articulate their greatness to other players, people that don't have their same level of skill. Uh, I'm certainly not putting Keaton Page in Magic Johnson's caliber, but to your point, uh, is that something you can teach or is that just or, an, an, an ornate skill that you're born with or that you develop on your own? I mean, how, how much can one coach, although, as I'm talking, I'm thinking of the, the coach, the Thunder hired from the Spurs, and they're shooting dramatically improved. So maybe maybe this is the missing ingredient. Yeah, I, I think that you can teach it and coach it to an extent. I think when a guy is in a game and he's 24 feet away and his legs are tired because he's been running and he's been breathing heavy and there's 10,000 people yelling at him and the game's on the line, like there's a, a certain part of that that's just intrinsic and some guys have that and some guys don't. But through preparation and practice and, and technique, yes, I do think that you can teach guys how to shoot. Whether they can do it in the game in the biggest moments, that comes down to each individual guy and how they're built and how they're wired. Uh, and, and not everybody is, is meant to be the hero. Not everybody's meant to, to even hit the big three in the middle of the second half that keeps your team in the game. But uh, I, I do like that Keaton Page is in Stillwater because he's just – he's kind of a legend. Because, because he's from Pawnee, small school, small guy, three-point shooter – uh, had some big bedlam performances. Like 
he's a little bit of, of an Oklahoma State basketball legend for those who were around to see it. For those who weren't, they probably wouldn't get it. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, another short white kid from, from Pawnee that could shoot? Cool. But if you lived it and you know what the Keaton Page era was all about, uh, he's a little bit of a legend to Oklahoma State basketball. So I think it's cool that he's going to be sticking around for, it would appear, the foreseeable future. Yep, I'd agree with that. Uh, time for bullets and BBs. Colby, what do you got for me this week? I have got Madison Henson Tolshard. Madison Henson Tolshard for Oklahoma State women's golf. She had a phenomenal season, won the Big 12s, and actually uh, had a chance. It was an outside chance to win the individual national championship earlier this week at Greyhawk. She shoots a final round 70, would have taken a 68 to get her into a playoff with Rose Zong from Stanford, uh, who is simply one of the greatest collegiate golfers of all time. Uh, I would put her right up there with um, Lorena Ochoa, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Um, I mean, Rose is, is at that level whenever we're talking about um, players in the history of collegiate golf. And Madison Henson Tolshar was two shots behind over the course of four days. A great season by her. Uh, the team just missed out on match play. They were four shots back of eight over the course of four days, counting four scores. That just shows you how small the margin is in collegiate golf. But Henson Tolshard had a great season. Uh, the team had a great season. Still still kind of rebuilding the roster, have, have some young talent after the uh, transfers of McGinty and Fierro a couple of years ago. So uh, they're, they're on the right path. Coach Robertson, even in a down year, got them to Greyhawk, um, and they were right there with a chance to get the match play. Didn't quite make it, but a great season by Henson Tolshard and a great way to cap it off with a solo fourth finish at Nationals. Yep, great showing. Obviously disappointing finish for for them not to make it to match play, but a uh, good season nonetheless. Uh, I'm going to stick with golf. I'm going to give my my bullet to Victor Hovland. Um, you know, he didn't win. We all know that. We all know what happened in the 16th hole bunker where he, he had that plug shot exactly the same way that Corey Connors did the day before, but it, it was so much more than that for me, him finishing second, he made Brooks Kepka earn it. And Victor's been in that position now, three straight majors and the two previous, he kind of faded on Sunday. He, he, every time he needed to make a putt to keep the thing going, to stay in the hunt, he did. Uh, he showed me a ton, Colby. He showed me as much in that loss, almost as he could in a win, and that the fact that he is not afraid of the big moment. I thought, other than that weird shot in the 16th bunker, if the, if he hadn't ended up in that bunker, Colby, I think this, I think that would have gone down to the last hole. I really do. Uh, it was kind of over after that. And Brooks went out and won it. He, I mean, he was unbelievable. He made every putt he looked at, as he tends to do in the majors, but my view on Victor winning majors changed over the weekend. It really did. Now I thought he would compete. I didn't like the way his finishes were starting to turn out. I thought he would ultimately get one eventually, but now I think it's way more imminent than I ever really thought. You look back at the British open last summer, uh, the, the, the masters and now this, I mean, he's, he's, and it's a process, right? You're, you typically don't win your first one, like a Jordan Spieth or a Colin Morikawa. That's really rare. You have to build up some scar tissue before you win a major. And the way Victor just didn't even flinch in, in the cauldron that was against, against a guy who's already won four of them, a guy who's been there, done that, who can be intimidating, who doesn't like to chit-chat and, and likes to intimidate his opponents. Victor didn't care. And I thought he really, really made everyone proud that was pulling for him. I really do. Uh, yeah, he was great. He, like you said, he made Kepka earn it. The shot at the 16th was so... 
disheartening. I mean, that's a nine iron in his hands. If you ask Victor Holland to get a nine iron out of that bunker and up to the green, he probably does it nine times out of 10. It's just the one that doesn't come off right, plugs in the lip, and it happens on the 70th hole of a major. I, I thought him bouncing back to make the putt at the last to get the T2 was nice. Um, you know, keep stock great. Finishes, yeah. But final group in a major, three consecutive majors. I like his chances at LA Country Club coming up. That's going to be a ball striker's paradise. Uh, the the margin for error at LACC with your ball striking, both off the tee and coming into the greens, it's going to be pretty small, Carson, and he hits it about as well as anybody in the world. Yeah, and he's won in California before. Uh, we all remember his success at Pebble Beach as the amateur when he just boat raced the entire tournament there. Uh, maybe, you know, he hasn't won on United States soil as a professional. Maybe he just needs to get back on uh, on California soil and be affiliated with the U.S. Open again. That Maybe that's the ticket because that, that course looks – is that course similar at all to Pebble? I just I know it's scenic like that in the midst of downtown L.A., no, not really. No, not really similar to Pebble. Great golf course. Both great golf courses. Not too many similarities. Okay. Um, yeah, his his inability to win in the continental United States. Um, I mean, I guess he won in Puerto Rico, which is technically the United States, <laughs> but but not really the United States. So, uh, yeah, the the he's what four years in now, five years in now, and he's a great player. He's ascended as high as like third in the world, I think, maybe fourth in the world, and he can't win in the continental United States. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. What do you got for BBs? <clears throat> uh, BBs, uh, by the way, I thought that you were going to give, uh, I figured your your bullet was going to Man U. Boat race Chelsea today to, to clinch that Champions League spot. Yeah, I can't give it to them. They're just, <laughs> they're a mess. I mean, Chelsea's a, Chelsea's a disgrace. I mean, they had Man U been playing a good team today, they'd have been down 5 nothing to start the game. Did you watch it at all? I mean, they, they were just letting Chelsea just run right through them, and Chelsea's terrible. They, and Chelsea didn't like kept tripping over themselves and couldn't score. Uh, I did not watch it. I have been keeping up with Chelsea a little bit, though, because, you know, I'm a big Crystal Palace guy. Um, you know, I'm a new fan, obviously, of Crystal Palace. But they're one point ahead of Chelsea, which is mind-numbing to anyone who understands the hierarchy of the Premier League. Well, it, I'm I'm down on the league as a whole because you got Man City funded by the United Arab Emirates oil money. I mean, Man City's never been in the same stratosphere as the top clubs in England. You got Newcastle funded by the Saudi regime. Basically, live golf is Newcastle now. Uh, I don't like the way the sport's gone. It's 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 turned it. You know, Man U became who they are through their youth system, through through being an actual club, and and producing talent on their own through their own ranks and their own scouting. The way the way soccer's supposed to work, and now and and everyone hates them because they won a lot based on their own self built success. And so I just, I hate that this, you know, Middle Eastern oil money coming from questionable places is now determining who wins the league every year. It's a, it's a joke. Anyway, no, you're absolutely really right. care what I have to say about that. No, you're right though, because these, these foreign governments with all these oil money come in and buy these teams and there's what's called financial fair play rules over there. Well, they just say to hell with your financial fair play rules and they kind of play within color within the lines enough that they don't get hammered, but Oh, what you're going to find us. Oh no. Surely you're not going to fine us. That would be terrible. Um, I think they're going to they're going to try and relegate Man City. I hope it happens, but I'm, oh, I'm dubious that try. it will. There's no chance. They're not going to get relegated. Well, Too much money. Fifteen years ago, Erling Holland, the, the the forward that scored a trillion goals this year for Man City. Fifteen years ago, he had been playing for United because they're the real club in Manchester. So I'm sure yeah. Todd Lizenby doesn't like hearing that, but that's the truth. Suck it, Todd.
Uh, Todd had a nice vacation to Colorado. Went to Estes Park, saw the mountains, saw his pictures saw on Twitter. That. Yeah, I heard him talking about it the other day on the radio. So hope, hope Todd's doing well. Um, Carson, I don't have any BBs today. I don't have any. I'm, I'm in a positive okay. mode. I thought about giving one to baseball because they lost two of four to OU when you go back to the series last week and last night. But, you know, baseball's weird, and they've dominated OU for so long. I'm like, is that really worthy of a BB? So I'm going to just be Mr. Positive on this Thursday. And uh, what, what do you got? You got anything? Speaking of positivity, I want to give a shout-out to Marcus, one of the dads on uh, uh, Sydney's daughter's basketball team. Uh, we've been sitting in the stands together for two seasons now, and he just brought it to my attention. He's been a regular listener of the podcast since we started. So shout-out to Marcus. He's a great dude. I've really gotten to enjoy – I really enjoy getting to know him and all the other parents in Little League basketball playing that. It's I-9 basketball, Colby, where if your girl doesn't want to go, you don't have to. And they, they practice like – the 30 minutes leading up to the game. So it's, it's very casual, very relaxed and shout out to Marcus. I, I never get tired of hearing people saying they listen to us talk about OSU sports. So shout out to Marcus before I get to my BB. Uh, my BB is related to Victor Hovland as well. BB to Jay Lindbergh, this company out of, I believe they're out of Sweden, this clothes. They're, they're kind of a high end fashion golf clothing company. They, they came to prominence under Jess, Jesper Parnovic. Everybody remember him? He wore the, the pink cap with the bill flipped upwards. That's, that's yes, not a sir. joke. He actually looked like that. Yes, sir. Uh, they have always been, and they used to dress, I believe, Camilo Vajegas. And he, Camilo Vajegas looked kind of cool. They had some cool stuff back then. They're, they're massacring our boy Victor. I mean, they had him in ridiculous clothing at the Masters. We all remember that hideous shirt that they made him wear, that floral shirt. He had some sort of like chevron or diamond logo on the back of his pullover. He was he looked like a member of the Calgary Flames at times at the PGA. They got him like wearing, it's not even OSU. He had the orange pants, but they're mixing this like sunset yellow with it, Colby. They're just... They're embarrassing our boy. And, and I know Victor was quoted as saying, look, I, I'm sponsored by Jay Lindbergh. They pay me to wear this stuff. I wear what they tell me, which was the perfect response. I would do that 10 out of 10 times. But can Jay Lindbergh put our boy in some decent clothes, Colby? It's horrible. It's so bad. It's so, so bad. Every time I think it can't get worse, it can get worse. Um, you got the Paycom logo there on the chest. If you can see it through everything else that is going on <laughs> on these shirts, it's... Uh, yeah, this is wild. I, I just got distracted, Carson. I'm actually, I'm going to give a dual bullet BB as we're on our way out here. And they both go to Ludwig Aberg from Texas Tech. Um, he is arguably the best player in collegiate golf. He's going to be the first player to go straight from college golf to the PGA Tour and get a tour card by leading at PGA Tour U. The difference from him at number one to uh, the player at number two is larger than the gap from number two to number 21 in the standing. He, he has just dominated college golf this year amongst the veterans. He shot a 59 today preparing for the national championship, which starts tomorrow. Now, the reason Whoa. that this is a dual bullet BB is because I went to Norman last week to the Norman regional. I talked to Ludwig and to his coach and to Ryan Hibble. And I wrote a nice feature story about Ludwig Aberg, which is all ready to go. Going to publish it tomorrow morning. And now I have to go in and do more work and I have to update it because he shot a 59 on the eve of the national championship. So now I have to do more work. So congratulations oh, no. on your great round of golf. But now I have to go in and tweak my story. It, sh it shouldn't be too bad, but uh, I'm definitely going to have to find a way to sneak the uh, practice round 59 into that story before it goes live in the morning. Oh, that's the worst. That's the absolute worst. Sports. 
That's sports. Is he going to be on the Ryder Cup team? No, no, he's uh, he's no. not at that level. He won't be on this year's Ryder Cup team. He's I don't know. Uh, too young, not proven enough. There, there's some serious players over in Europe. But talk to me again in 2025. Yeah, I'd say there's a pretty good chance he's on it in 2025. What about he, what about Brooks Kepka? Uh, yeah, I think Brooks Kepka is going to be on it because I think he's going to qualify on points. I mean, he's already what number two on the list, and there's still two more majors. Well, so. and you can't. I mean, you can't not take a guy who's won a major and and is named Brooks Kepka. Yeah, I just I I hope that he's able to come back down. Uh, off of whatever he's been partaking in, partaking in in Miami the last couple of days prior to the Ryder Cup, because uh, <laughs> my man, he's having a good time. He's living his best life. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anything else, Cole? Before we get out of here, don't believe so. Great stuff as always. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, as soon as the spring sports are done and wrap up their seasons, then we're going to do a rewatch of the Mario Bogans, Kevin Durant, uh, Byron Eton shot basketball game. That's all still Tyler coming. Hatch. Don't forget Tyler yep. Hatch. How did I forget Tyler Hatch? I have to uh, do a deep dive on Tyler Hatch during that pod. I'm looking okay. forward to it. I'm in for that. Uh, yeah, as soon as the spring sports wrap up, we're going to get on that. So appreciate everybody listening as we roll through uh, the month of May here. Baseball at the regionals, softball, super regionals. We'll break that all down for you next time. Thanks once again for listening to the Pistols Firing Podcast. As always, go Pokes.